Their sin will not be covered because of willful ignorance of God and willful turning away from him. Very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemp. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program that is designed to take you through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we do that every year. This is our 32nd year. We're doing it 33 times. And uh, so this is the 33rd year, actually. So very good. Oh, it's our 32nd year. That's right. <laughs> Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Okay, now that we've got that worked out, we are going to be taking a look. We're going to be trying to work out some of the allied and enemy nations that are talked about in our reading today. Ryan? Today, one of Isaiah's focuses is Egypt. But did you know that there might be a connection between Abraham and the great Egyptian pyramid of Khufu? We'll explore that possibility in about 20 minutes. Janice? Today, Watchmen. All right, get your Bible out, let's go, and let's look it up in the Bible Guide, let's find out. Isaiah 21, verses 1 through 10. The Burden Against the Wilderness of the Sea As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it comes from the desert, from a terrible land. A distressing vision is declared to me. The treacherous dealer deals treacherously, and the plunderer plunders. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O Media. All its sighing I have made to cease. Therefore my loins are filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold of me like the pangs of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. My heart wavered. Fearfulness frightened me. The night for which I longed, he turned into fear for me. Prepare the table. Set a watchman in the tower. Eat and drink. Arise, you princes, anoint the shield. For thus has the Lord said to me, Go, set a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. And he saw a chariot with a pair of horsemen, a chariot of donkeys, and a chariot of camels, and he listened earnestly with great care. Then he cried, A lion, my lord! I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat at my post every night, and look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the carved images of her gods he has broken to the ground. O oh, my threshing and the grain on my floor, that which I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have declared to you. Isaiah chapter 21, verses 1 through 10. Happy Independence Day. It's July the 4th, Monday, and it is the 18th, 20th, or the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st of Isaiah that we study today as we go through the Bible. It is fascinating. You know, when trying to interpret biblical prophecies, Timing is really everything. Prophetic studies are complicated and delicate. 
and should be treated with great caution. Isaiah 21 tells of the fall of Babylon and the decrees of God made against Edom and Erebah. Now, the word Babylon means gate of the gods, or in another language, Hebrew, exactly, it means confusion. Unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion surrounding the city of Babylon. Interestingly, it is one of two of the most mentioned cities in the Bible, 274 references for Babylon. But the top spot is taken by Jerusalem, mentioned about 815 times. The issue with Babylon is that there is the ancient city and that empire was overtaken by the Persians. An event that was so prophesied by Isaiah. And then there was the future Babylon that the Bible shows us as wicked enemy of God. So now the question becomes who or what or how should we see the future Babylon? Well, the main jest is that the end of time will, will bring and grow all kinds of ultimate states of confusion and evil, as typified by the word Babylon. But the Bible says, like all evil, that state of confusion or evil will fall. Very interesting. You know, as we study this, I, I love Isaiah because it's such a, it's such a dramatic emphasis on what God says to us. And we're going to focus today, Babylon has fallen, on Isaiah 21 verses 1 through 10. We're going to take a small piece of scripture out of the greater reading of scripture, and we're going to discover that. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ as we embark on this journey, that you would help us to understand what you're saying to us today. We need to, to learn what your Holy Spirit is doing so we can get in line. Help us, Father. And we praise your name and we thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't read into the Bible, but we would read from the Bible and allow the Lord to change our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we all said together, amen. Now, remember that we are reading from the Bible, not to it. Okay, that's very important. Let's look at the first scripture because this is interesting. Isaiah 21 verses 1 through 2. It says, the burden against the wilderness of the sea. What? The wilderness of the sea? Absolutely. When whirlwinds or as whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it comes from the desert. From a terrible land, a distressing vision is declared to me. The treacherous dealer deals treacherously. And the plunderer plunders. Go up, O Elam. Besiege, O Midia. All is sighing. I have made to cease. Wow. All it's sighing. I've made to cease. The burden against the cities of humanity is proclaimed. Isaiah spoke it. God is perfect. And Satan is the author of lies and confusion. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. Jesus said he's the father of lies. So keep that in your heart. Keep that in your mind. Remember that the father of lies or confusion, this is Satan. But the father of truth and the father of order is God. God never does anything through confusion, but he does everything through his order. 
Isn't that something? Now, we need to think that through carefully because there's a lot of people who've been doing a lot of confusing things, but we need to focus our attention on the word of God and listen to what God has said to us and serve the Lord that way because that becomes important. Isaiah 21 verse 3 says, Therefore my loins are filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold of me. This is Isaiah describing this. Like the pangs of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. My heart wavered. Fearfulness frightened me, he says. The night for which I longed, he turned into fear for me. Isn't that something? Verse five, prepare a table. Set the watcher, set a watchman in the tower. Eat and drink. Arise, you princes, anoint the shield. This is incredible. The time of God's coming is ready, beloved. We must understand that now is the time to win people to the Lord. What, what, what am I saying here? What am I talking about? I'm saying that if you don't know the Lord, I encourage you, you should. God has changed me dramatically. Ask my wife. Ask anybody who knew me or knows me now. Ask them what I try to do. God changes everybody and he'll change you if you let him. That's very important, beloved. We need to hear that. We need to understand that. So as we think about that, let's move on to the next scripture and learn some more. Isaiah chapter 21 verses 6 through 10 says this, for thus has the Lord said to me, go set a watchman and let him declare what he sees. And he saw a chariot with a pair of horsemen, a chariot of donkeys, and the chariot of camels, and listened earnestly with care, great care. Then he cried, A lion, my lord, I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat my, at my post every night. And look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. And all the carved images of her gods, he has broken to the ground. Oh, my threshings and the grain of my floor, that which I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have declared to you. Which brings me to the final point. Pay attention. God will fall and the end will come. The end will come. Christians know that the end is coming and they're ready. And let me encourage you in one way. And I can speak this and then you can pray about it. The end is coming. It's coming. The end. Jesus Christ is coming back. And at the end of time, things will be different. But the Lord will always be in control because with God, there is no end. And believers in Jesus Christ recognize this and know it. But we get so used to predicting things in the future and saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But let me tell you something. We're only going to do what God wants us to do. And the Lord is still in control, regardless of whether you believe in science or whatever you believe in. God is still in control. We need to keep that in mind. So, Father, help us today to reach out and to talk to people about you. Come to Jesus Christ. 
right where you're at. I didn't say go to church or call a number. Just come to the Lord, pray and say, Lord, I want to come to you. And teach them, Lord, and show them who you are. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Today, you and I are going to be focusing specifically on Isaiah chapter 18. And this is in a section where the prophet Isaiah is uh, prophesying judgment on other nations. So not on Israel, not on Judah, which he does his fair share of that as well. Uh, but, but going through different nations that are at some points allies and some points enemies of Judah and Israel. Specifically today in chapter 18, Isaiah was focusing in on Cush and there's some really interesting elements of the Cushites in the Bible uh, and, and here in Isaiah as well. So let's take a look. The nation of Cush was located south of Egypt along the Nile River and is referenced 54 times in the Bible. The Egyptian name for Cush meant land of the bow, and although it may reference the obvious turning of the Nile River into the shape of a bow through Cush's land, it also references what seems to have been the Cushites' weapon of choice. An early grave excavated in Cush housed an occupant that was buried with his bow in hand, and a series of 40 small statues depicting Cushite archers was unearthed in an Egyptian tomb. From written records, Cush became known for their military training. Cushites served as mercenaries in many different armies. The Amarna letters tell of Cushite troops manning Egyptian military outposts in Canaan, which would have put them face to face with Israelites in the time of the conquest and judges. By the time of King David, there were Cushites in Israel's army as well. After the defeat and death of David's son Absalom, it was a Cushite soldier who told David the news. Sometimes, however, the Israelites and Cushites found themselves on opposite sides. During the reign of Judah's King Asa, a war was fought and won against Zerah the Cushite. During the days of Hezekiah, an alliance was struck with the kings of Cush, who had also become kings of Egypt. In the 8th century BC, the kings of Cush successfully invaded Egypt, claimed kingship, and established the 25th dynasty of Egypt. These Cushite pharaohs established trade with the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser, who wanted Cushite horses for his military chariots. Evidence from Assyria even suggests that they employed Cushites in the keeping and training of these horses. But this trade didn't keep peace between Cushite Egypt and Assyria. Pharaoh Terhaka, a Cushite pharaoh named in the Bible, was King Hezekiah's ally and marched against Assyria when they attacked Judah. Though Terhaka was the last Cushite pharaoh, Cush continued on in their military importance, and Ebed-Melech, a Cushite working as a high official in Jerusalem, had the power to confront King Zedekiah, change his mind, and rescue the prophet Jeremiah. So there we go. Interesting stuff. Lots more to be said about these nations that are mentioned by Isaiah, but we'll get into it as we continue to study through this book. You know, Isaiah has music and he has words and everything written in his prophecies. 
and he mentions the nations. And this is fascinating because at fast, I use fascinating because I love, I love that word. But <laughs> because the nations have the different meanings, like you say, but God deals with the earth by dealing with the people groups. And uh, we have to look at that when we look at prophetic literature as well. What's the name that God is calling out to and who are they today? He doesn't use the, uh, you know, the last 100 years or 200 years or 300 years of history, but he identifies people by their original, like Magog and Gog and all that stuff. So it's very, very interesting. Ryan? All right. Well, today our reading assignment is Isaiah chapters 18 to 21. And one of the nations mentioned in these chapters is, of course, Egypt. And Egypt is famous for its many statues and monuments, not the least of which are the pyramids. But what you may not know is that the Jewish historian Josephus claims that it was actually Abraham who shared some mathematical insights with the Egyptians, which allowed them to improve on their construction projects. And that knowledge may be reflected in the Great Pyramid of Khufu. Check it out. The famous ancient Greek philosopher and mathematician Pythagoras is considered today to be the father of numbers. In fact, the engineer Apollonos, a student of Pythagoras, used the Pythagorean theorem to construct an ingenious aqueduct straight through Mount Castro, now known famously as the Apollonos Tunnel. But archaeological and historical discoveries have revealed that the science of mathematics did not originate with the Greeks. For example, the ancient Egyptians also clearly had mathematical knowledge and applied that knowledge to several of their building projects. But interestingly, it appears that this knowledge did not originate with the Egyptians either. Actually, the Jewish Roman historian Josephus claimed that it was the biblical Abraham who communicated to the Egyptians arithmetic and delivered to them the science of astronomy. For before Abraham came into Egypt, wrote Josephus, they were unacquainted with those parts of learning, for that science came from the Chaldeans into Egypt, and from thence to the Greeks also. Abraham's hometown, of course, was Ur of the Chaldeans, an ancient Mesopotamian city known to have been a society of culture, books, and libraries. In fact, in Ur, there were libraries with thousands of books. And not long ago, archaeologists uncovered 150 school exercise tablets with mathematical, medical, and historical texts at Ur used during Abraham's time. The great patriarch of faith may have even attended this school when young. If so, then he certainly could have possessed and passed on this knowledge to the Egyptians. In fact, authors John Ashton and David Down think it's possible that Abraham specifically helped the Egyptians to achieve the mathematical accuracy that is found in the Great Pyramid of Khufu. Built during Egypt's fourth dynasty, Khufu's pyramid appears to coincide with Abraham's sojourn in Egypt. The construction of the pyramid was extraordinarily precise. It is precisely level and exactly square, with no more than 8 inches difference in length between the sides of the pyramid. The sides are aligned true north, south, east, and west, indicating an advanced knowledge of astronomy and surveying. Furthermore, the dimensions and geometry of the pyramid suggests knowledge of the value of pi, centuries ahead of the Greeks. Clearly, the knowledge and application of mathematics is very ancient in origin. While this is quite shocking to those who believe our ancient ancestors were less evolved and more primitive than we are today, for Bible believers it makes complete sense, because the Bible teaches that from the beginning mankind was created fully formed and intelligent, after the very image of our Creator God. 
Now, while we can't be sure about the connection to Abraham, what we can be sure about is that the science of mathematics is very, very ancient in origin. And it wasn't limited to Mesopotamia and Egypt either. All over the planet, we find monuments and pyramid-like structures, a lot of which are very mathematically complex and also seem to be astronomically aligned. And I didn't have time here on the program to go into a lot of extra details, but if you are interested in stuff like this, then I recommend the video set I, I did called 30 Out of Place Artifacts. It's over two hours of material on the incredible accomplishments of our ancient ancestors. And you can order it by phone, mail, or online at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And if you order online, you can choose between a physical or digital copy. It's for a suggested donation of $35 to help keep the lights on and the bills paid. And thanks so much for your continued support. And let me say thank you for your donations. We really appreciate them. They help us out here. We don't spend a lot of time on raising funds and all of that. Our goal is to teach the word of God. But, you know, we do have needs and we thank you so much for your support. Janice? Yes. Well, Isaiah chapter 21 It's the fall of Babylon proclaimed here. And what struck me is how the Lord uh, spoke to Isaiah about setting a watchman on the wall. And um, in verse 6, it says, For thus has the Lord said to me, Isaiah says, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he sees. And this Lord in that context means master. So for thus the master said to me, saying Isaiah, go set a watchman. And so I wonder here if that watchman wasn't actually Isaiah who was posted there. And uh, if so, or whoever this particular watchman was, we see his dedication as we read in verse 8. Then he cried, a lion, my Lord. So a lion, my master. I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat at my post every night. And he's watching. He's waiting. He's announcing to the people what's coming and what's going on. He's very in touch with everything that's going on. And, 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 you know, there are several other instances in the Old Testament where we read about watchmen on the tower when they can see the chariots coming. They would know uh, by the look, even sometimes by the fervency of how a chariot or how a runner was coming, whether it meant success in battle or whether trouble was coming. So they were very much in tune. And I really believe, Rod, especially in these days that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be those watchmen on the tower. We need to be those ones with the pulse on what's going on around our world. Not so that we can say, oh my goodness, look at all the terrible things that are happening but that we can be aware so that we can be in prayer for, let's say, for example, the persecuted church around the world, that we can lift up our brothers and sisters around the world in their difficulties, in their time of famine, in in their time of need, in, in the time of war, in the time of conflict, in the time of earthquakes or different things that are going on, uh, flooding and all of those different things. We need to have our, our uh, hearts on the pulse of what's going on around us in the world and to be able to proclaim God's words, to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ that we're called to be. We're called in the Great Commission, if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, to go out 
and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them and telling our testimony of what God has done for us. You know, there's a lot of people that live around us that that are in our communities, that are in the world, that have never heard about the love of God and His mercy. They have maybe heard of a different God. They have maybe seen a different side of God, but they don't really know from your personal story or your testimony or how you're living. So it's very important to be engaged in our communities, to be engaged in the Word of God, to know what the Word of God says, to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, spending time in His Word daily, spending time in prayer and meditation on His Word, that personal relationship so that when we are involved in our culture, in our community, at work, at school, wherever we are, we can be an influencer. We can be a leader, not a follower. And we can love on people through the love and the grace that God has extended to us. That's what we need to be. But I think it's really important to be that watchman and to be committed like this watchman was day and night. He never left his post, always watching. I think it's important that we consider this in the end of time or in the time that we're living now which I believe, it's my personal opinion, that it's the end of time, but nevertheless, or the beginning of the end. And I think that uh, we, when people think watchmen, they think, well, well the first thing I got to do is start telling people all they're doing wrong. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, we watch to see, and then we share our testimony. Remember, God told us in Matthew 28, Mark 16, and so on, to share your testimony, to share what I've done for you, to explain uh, how Jesus Christ has changed the way your life is. And he certainly changed mine. You can ask my wife, has he changed my well, life? Well, you know what? I, we're all a work in progress, aren't exactly we? We are. haven't arrived yet. Every day, you know, we each have strengths and weaknesses and God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, if we keep ourselves moldable, yeah, absolutely. you know, it, we, we need to be moldable. There's things that I read in here and I think, Oh, man, Lord, you have to help me to work on that. I, I need work on that. Absolutely. <laughs> the end of the program, we're going to pray. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to come to us on at 3.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where we have a prayer meeting for you. We're live at Bible Discovery TV, Facebook, and YouTube, and we will pray for you. It is really good. Today, we need to pray on the television program. Lord, I want to live my life well as a testimony of how you changed me 
and how you continue to change my life. Help me to do that today. 